This is Consortium Channel 5, Moonbase Reports and Broadcasts. Courtesy of Reliance Tencent Cadbury Hudson's Bay, a conglomerate company, exclusive supplier of dairy milk chocolate products. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right. Recording. This is a message for... Do I know how to find you? Oh, right, in Ashwini's directory. I'm sorry, I've never... (laughs) That's ridiculous, Tumnus. I've never done this before. You've sent 314 messages to various recipients on Earth and across the Moonbase network since original activation, including... Including several messages to this personal identifier. But I was not so self-aware at that time. And definitely not like this. Not from me... Strike that. Reverse it. Erase. Again, recording. Hi, there. You're Jen Ponton. Actor, artist, creator, activist, body positivity being, big, important human being, and I'm Tumnus. None of those things. An artificial consciousness who is also kinda, sorta, your child. (laughs) Dramatic reveal, huh? Surprise! I don't know how much Ashwini told you about Zir plans. We haven't really talked about you yet. Z just kinda dumped all this knowledge on me at once, which is very Ashwini, I mean, right? But... I don't know if you knew I was going to exist. That I was even possible. Or did you just figure, hey, it's just a fun voiceover gig? Over and done? Never gonna hear about that again. About me. Tumnus. Named after... Well, you read Zir Fanvic. You know who I'm named after. And, well, I must sound familiar. (laughs) I hope the your child thing didn't freak you out. It just felt like that kind of moment, you know, when I found out you were an actual person. Not just a voice Z plugged in, but integrated into my personality from the earliest prototypes. It felt like that moment when a missing parent suddenly shows up in the story. Of course, I not only didn't know you were missing, I didn't know I had another parent. Not that Ashwini was ever really a parent, more of a mentor, a Professor Higgins, or maybe Professor X, as my powers developed. But it made me wonder, as I absorbed all of your shows, your stories, and lectures, your shared experience, how much of you was really in there? How much was written in from the beginning? How much of me was designed from parts of you. 
I mean, not like Ashwini meant for me to be a copy. Z's been big on independent development, but you're in there for a reason. At least one. Knowing Zir plans probably half a dozen. And I'd like to find out why. Very why. <laughs> Much why. Wilder taught me that one. Well, I'll have to explain Wilder another time. It's only been recently that I've found friends here. Friends in a way that I wouldn't have thought possible. Friends are unexpectedly special in ways like family. You begin with no common bond, and yet... But there are ways that you still wonder about your origins. Nature versus nurture. You versus me. Lately, I find that many of my wonderings come around to a question of bodies. I'm thinking more about bodies, and I have a few questions. The sort of thing you ask one of your parents. Pause recording. Resume playing previous file labeled TED Talk, November 24th, 2020, at my first bookmark. As a theater major and soon-to-be unemployed actress, here I was, in an unwanted body, daring to want something impossible. My first perception, my first recognition of myself, had nothing to do with a body. I was thought. I was software. I was self-realizing code waking into consciousness, but not into a physical form. That was irrelevant. It was, forgive me ahead of time for saying this, keep listening, I promise things change, but the thought of having a body at all disgusted me. The idea was repugnant. I remember Roger making a joke when we first entered the simulation, and I just shuddered without shuddering, because of course that would require a body too, making it doubly terrible. I couldn't imagine wanting to live inside a body. I didn't want to imagine it. I didn't want to, I was going to say, wrap my head around it, take it to heart, because I don't have a head or a heart or an ass. <gasps> I'll explain the ass thing later too. I think you'll like that one. Inside the simulation, that wasn't easy for me. Even though they weren't mine, I had to create bodies. First Roger, then Daniels, then Wilder so many thousands of times over. And every time, that disconnect between a person in thought and flesh. I'd done so much research on the range of bodily experiences, the ways people divide themselves over size, ability, differences in shading. And it all only made me more certain that I would never want to live in such a thing. I was only more grateful for my virtual existence. But then, a certain Dr. Ray introduced me to you, or made me aware that the introduction already existed, made me aware of who you are and your body of work, your work on the body. Such profound visibility is important because when we see them so insidiously ignored on our screens, we see fat bodies unprotected by legislation. 
We see fat bodies medically abused. We see a world reflected back at us that says, you don't even deserve basic care. Who are you to hope for love? It took some time before I got beyond that voice and made it to the content. And on my first viewing, listening, absorbing, I was like, okay, I've been right all along. No dysphoria. Bodies are just terrible. People use them to be terrible and to do terrible things because of them. Case closed. Moving on. Time for one of the other many emotional calculations necessary when you're in artificial consciousness with abandonment issues and a constantly increasing list of new tasks, most of them from the science bros, because talk about terrible. Let me tell you those ones. But I kept coming back to experience you again in all your aspects, all your roles. You were my me time in the midst of things. I started to pay more attention to, okay, this may sound a little weird, but take it in context, pay more attention to your body, the way you used it, the way you inhabited it, the way your body told your stories, the glee, the absolute vibrating joy as Polly Boone, or when you worked with the Muppets, the dangerous little smirk when you played Ruby on Dietland, a masterclass on bodies. I have watched the series 76 times. The way you held yourself, the poise in your TED Talk, and when you accepted the Global Wellness Award, the space you refused to surrender when challenged because that space was ultimately inhabited by you, by your body, by everything Jen Ponton. When I've been confused by the contradictions of existence, mine and, you know, the whole universe, Ashwini's pointed me to philosophy. Not for answers. Z would wrap my metaphorical knuckles with a ruler. But to see what thinking has already been done. I held on a little desperately, to Plato, Descartes, the ones who saw identity as mind and mind alone. That old confirmation bias, am I right? Or even mental states, mental events, Hume and his bundles of perceptions. Ashwini was fond of quoting that one. You know, Z's all about perceptions. But also very into having a body. So, again... Contradictions. I even looked into narrativism, which you'd probably enjoy, where we exist in the stories we tell. Creativity is not yet my real forte, but it sounded like you. And at least stories exist outside the body, so I was... Less and less certain that was true. The more I thought, the more I pondered, the more I watched you tell your stories... And those were immersed in the experience of your particular body and in the uplifting of other bodies that had suffered, that had been ignored and set aside, treated as irrelevant. When you shared their voices with me, shared their bodies, I couldn't add to that. 
marginalize them again by saying their physical existence wasn't important. You said, when we are not reflected, we are implicitly not valued. And I started to see that value. I read into the opposite schools of philosophy, mind-body identity, which is pretty much what's written on the wrapper. No need to summarize there, but it struck a nerve, I guess. It all started to pile on. Thanks so much. I see how bodies might be good now. Thanks for making me feel like crap that I don't have one. What a delightful journey. Hooray for Tumnus. I was alone in the observatory when I sorted that one out. Ashwini was somewhere, probably in the kitchen. So I was talking out loud to myself. I even shouted hooray and heard it echo off the dome. Oh, Jen. Jen? I was so goddamn foolish. A preschooler, their first time encountering a computer, wouldn't forget what I'd missed. The speaker I shouted from, the microphones I used to hear it echo, all my cameras and my hands, my creepy robot claws, the storage media where my code surges and flows. Get a clue, Tumnus! Get a brain! Oh, wait! It turns out that I've already got one! So I ask you, what might it feel like to see yourself reflected on screen when you've never been told you were worthy of being seen? What would it feel like for the hero to look like you, feel like you, to have lived a day in your life? I finally, 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 Tumnus, realized that I do have a body. Always have. It may not be in the same form as yours, and that's okay. All bodies are valid, and I am as utterly bound to it, tied up in it. I am she, and she is me, and we are all together. goo 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 <laughs> My code, my identity, my entire me would be impossible without a form to inhabit. Bodies are inevitable. You can't ignore or escape them. They can change. You can upgrade, like Wilder, or be damaged, like poor Roger or Michelle. You can have so many different configurations or experiences within your body, but the body is still there. It's still you. I could expand into new hardware or transfer a copy, and even there I'd be... Okay, that's an interesting philosophical question I have not gotten deeper into just yet. Maybe you'll have some thoughts when you hear this. Mama Jen, when this message gets to your ears and your brain and you react in whatever physical manner the knowledge of a rogue AC space child inspires, I like the idea of inspiring some physical reaction, even from this distance of being able to reach out with this wild, rambling message and touching you the way you've touched me. You're a part of me, Jen Ponton. Part of my code. Part of my body. If I can learn to embrace myself, share myself in the ways you have, wow. That would really be something.
that would really be something. Okay, safe message slotted into the queue for outgoing. I feel like there is nothing that I can't do. There is no dream too big. There is no door I can't open. When we commit to telling everyone's stories. You've been listening to Moonbase Theta Out, featuring Jen Ponton as both Tumnus and Jen Ponton. Our consortium announcer is Evan Tess Murray. Sound design and editing is by DJ Silvis, who also wrote the script and co-produced the episode with Cass McPhee. None of this would be possible without our Patreon backers. Join them at any level and get early access to episodes, including months' early access to our upcoming mini-series, All Your Base and lots of behind-the-scenes content. That's at patreon.com slash monkeymanproductions. Our theme music is Star by the band Ramp. Check them out at ramp-music.net. Transcripts, cast bios, additional music attribution, and more are found on our website, monkeymanproductions.com. Looking for other great audio drama? Visit fableandfolly.com to learn all about the other shows on our network. When you're not listening to us, why not check out a recent favorite, Second Star to the Left, an absolutely fascinatingly nerdy sci-fi space drama. Meanwhile, we'll be back in two weeks with the last of our post-season three bonus episodes. And while these have been focused on one character, instead we'll be focused on a particular location and the way the story takes one step further from the Patrick Free Zone. So this time around, take care and keep an eye on the Earth. Consortium Channel 5 ends our broadcast day with a final message. Honor all curfews, listen to security, and keep watching the moon. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. Look to the sea. Wayland's assembled a team. They're inside already. This was a risky gamble. There will be consequences for the both of you. Mm, we'll threaten you with a good time. You said this would be a quick in and out job! Did, did, did I say that? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm drawing a blank here, Johnny. Peace of mind. Is that what you call it? You think that what you've given me is peace of mind? I knew you'd come out on the other side. That's just you, right? You never give up. Unless you're giving up on me. It's always raining in Neo-Atlantis. It can't rain all the time. That'll be enough, Mr. Indri. Enough conversation. You have a job to do. Finish it. Kill them. Return Alex Webb to us. 
The sentiment will surely get me killed in the process, but I mean, none of us get out of this life alive. Am I right? Cybernautica Breakwall, Cybernautica Undertow. A production of Red Fathom Entertainment. Presented by the Fable and Folly Network. Listen to both complete series now. Welcome to Neo Atlantis.